Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing today? It's really, really, really good to see you guys. I don't know if you noticed, but I've been gone the past couple of Sundays. Nobody noticed first service. What? He was gone. And uh, attendance was way up while I was gone. I'm just kidding. But uh, hey, it's always nice to get away. We heard some great reports from some of the people that preached and spoke over the last few weeks. Jacqueline, she was up here earlier. She preached a couple weeks ago, got some incredible reports from her. Baptized like 16 people that Sunday, uh, just in a wonderful Sunday. Last week, my son Baylor preached, preached the house down, heard some great things about that. Man, he's up and coming, doing some stuff. God is doing some things through some of the other people. Uh, I ain't the only show in town anymore, which is awesome uh, in our church. But as a pastor, you're always a little bit concerned about spending Sunday away from church. It's just kind of bred in you over the past few years. But I come by that naturally because of some of the things that have happened. When I first started pastoring, our church was running, I don't know, about 80 people. Back, you know, 16 years ago, I went on my first vacation away from church. And it was in February, and I was about to take a cruise. And I called our main, he was over operations and everything. His name was Chuck. And I called Chuck. And I said, Chuck, how was, you know, I'm about to get on a ship. How did church go today? And he goes, actually, Pastor, it was really cold outside. There was a chance of snow, so I just canceled church. I said, you, you did what? You canceled church? And then I got on the ship, and I came back and made this announcement. Hey, hey, we don't, we don't cancel church anymore, okay? I'm like, okay. And then about 11 years ago, when we, when we uh, built this apex facility over here, I told our staff, I said, hey, guys, I'm going on vacation. While I'm gone, we have a budget for each office for you guys to buy some office furniture. So while I'm gone, you guys can feel free to pick out whatever you want. So I went on vacation. I came back and said, you know, walked in, and every, everybody in every office had skipped the office chairs and the lamps and all that and just bought matching futons. I'm like, you bought futons? Well, you guys, all, a futon is, you know what it is. It's just a mattress leaned up. And I was like, so we got this inside joke of, you know, as if when I go on vacation, I announce to the staff, hey, don't buy any futons while I'm gone. In other words, don't do anything crazy. So this time while I was gone, this was kind of a whole church kind of thing. I couldn't believe you guys did this. And correct me if I'm wrong, as I was gone for 10 days on vacation trying to get a little bit of R&R, Did you guys really legalize marijuana while I was gone? Did you really do that? (laughs) Leave for 10 days, come back, we've we've legalized weed. I'm I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I know there's a lot around that. There's a lot. But would you agree that we're living in a very interesting time? It's a very interesting time to be alive. There's a lot of changes coming to our state. There's a lot of changes coming to our nation. It's an interesting time to be alive in in our nation. We're witnessing a time in history like never before. In our world, you can sense it. The conflicts of the world powers, the turmoil in the Middle East. It's a time like never before, and it's pointing to greater events that are on the horizon. I believe some of these things are going to usher in the end of the age. Something is about to go down. You can sense it. You can feel it if you're paying attention There are world events in our future that the Bible talks about it. It, They're called prophetic events. And when they go down, we're going to look to the heavens and we're going to have that kind of mentality. Hey, this is it. This 
These are the things, these are the events that we've been hearing about for hundreds of years. These are the things that we've been, that that the scripture has been written to confirm. These are the things that pastors have been preaching about for centuries. This is it. That's what we're talking about for the next four weeks. Some of these end time events, these this is it moments. So get ready because this is going to be an exciting series. Let's kick it off with prayer. Bless you. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be here today. I ask, Lord, that as we dive into this, Lord, you created this world. This world is yours. And one of these days, you are going to return. And I pray, Father, that you will bless us as we learn of your word. Teach us what you'd have us learn in Christ's name. And everybody said, look at your neighbor and say, this is it. Revelation 1 and 3 says, blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. The time of these events, it's near. So why are we discussing these what we call prophecies. Why are we going to read about the book of Revelation? Why go through all the trouble and bring up all of these things? Because the Bible says that there is a blessing associated to reading and understanding these things. There is a blessing. And I know that a lot of times churches, I I sat down with a pastor one time and he says, man, I don't like to talk about eschatology or end of the world types of events. Man, these things are in the Bible. And I think it's important. You don't have to talk about it every single Sunday. You don't have to talk about it so often. But every now and then you need to spend some time because there is a blessing associated. What kind of blessing is associated with talking about prophetic and end time events? Number one is it reminds us to live pure lives. Talking about these things reminds us to live pure lives. In 2 Peter 3 and 11 it says, and I'm reading from the message translation, it says, Since everything here today might well be gone tomorrow, do you see how essential it is to live a holy life? Daily expect the day of God, eager for his arrival. We must pursue living holy lives, living pure lives, that we will be found worthy for when he returns. Jesus said, blessed are those who are pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall shall see God. You see, every now and then, it helps for us to take a look in the mirror and do a spiritual inventory. Do you guys talk to yourselves? Does anybody talk to yourself? Just me? I talk to myself. I look in the mirror and I talk to myself. Every now and then, I got to talk to myself say, hey, buddy, you need to get your life right. Hey, buddy, you need to keep your life in order. Hey, you need to get some things worked out. And there's nothing better to remind you to get your life worked out than to talk about the end, Right? It reminds us, it reminds us of, 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 of to live pure lives. Second of all, it reminds us of what is coming. In 2 Peter 3 and 1, it says, I am stirring up your sincere mind. You know, there's a part of our mind that's, that's a jokester. There's a part of our mind that concentrates on other things. But he says, I'm going to, I'm going to stir up your sincere mind. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tap into you that, that needs to be serious right now. He says, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Listen to me. This ain't it. We need to be reminded of that from time to time. Is anybody here except for me busy every single day? 
I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I, I, the only way that I'm going to have more time to accomplish what I need to accomplish is I'm, I'm going to have to sleep less. I wish there was a way that I could only sleep four hours and get all the sleep that I need because I've got so much to do every single day. So what this life does is it, it, it distracts us, and I'm going to talk about that here in a second. There's not enough time for what we need to accomplish. And what happens is it causes us to forget that this ain't it, that there is another life. And the next life is more important than this life. This life is just a warm-up. This life is just a prerequisite of what's coming. So the best way to remember that is to talk about the end, to talk about the prophecies. And lastly, it reminds us to reach our world. In Matthew 28 and 19, Jesus says, go. That Some of the last words of Jesus, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. It reminds us of our go mandate. Reaching our world is not an option, it's a responsibility. And sometimes we tend to, because of this life and the worries of this life, we tend to think it's just about us. And here's the other thing, it's not an open-ended thing. When Jesus ascended to heaven, a time clock began. And the Bible says that he, the Lord God, has set a day. The day and the time is set in the future that he's going to return. It's already set. So it's not an open-ended commandment. It has a limited time. So that's why we're talking about these prophetic events. To remind us to live pure lives. To remind us of a life that is coming, the next life, and also to remind us to reach our world. Well, I'm going to kind of turn the corner here, and I'm going to talk about in this message how I believe, I'm going to focus on the here and now, and I believe that we're living in these last days, and Jesus gives us some important, specific instructions about the time that we live in, but to do that, let me tell you this. When studying the end times, I think it's important, or one way to do that, there's so many ways to do this, one way to do this is to divide it into three different parts, and I've only got four Sundays to do this. Last time I preached a series like this, it was eight Sundays, eight weeks, and I still didn't finish it. I've only got four Sundays, so I'm going to break it down into three, three parts like this. Number one, I'm going to talk about the age that we live in today. I'm going to talk about the church age, the here and now. Then I'm going to talk about the rapture and the return of Christ. And number three, I'm going to talk about the millennium and eternity and beyond, infinity and beyond. Anybody catch that? All right. You'd have to be a little bit immature to catch that. Well, let's talk about the church age today. What is the church age? The church age is the period of time that the church is on the earth. We're living in the church age. It started when Jesus began talking about the church. When he looked at Peter and he said, Simon, Simon Peter, he said, I'm, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. When Jesus said that, I'm going to build my church, it was the first time that the word church was ever mentioned in the New Testament. It started there. And then on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus was raised from the dead, the New Testament church was launched. And since then and continuing right now, we're living in what is considered the church age. Now, what does the Bible say about the here and now, this present time that we're living in, the church age? Well, in Matthew 24, Jesus predicted the fall of Jerusalem, and he predicted the destruction of the temple. Now, you can read this in Matthew 24 later. I don't have time to go through all this right now. I'll share a little bit of it in the coming Sundays. But as Jesus was walking away from the temple, 
he predicted the destruction of this enormous, this beautiful building that had foundational stones as large as trucks. They said, man, this is a beautiful, wonderful temple. And Jesus said, this temple is going to be destroyed. Jerusalem's going to be, Jerusalem is going to be destroyed or it's going to be invaded, but this temple is going to be destroyed and it's going to be dismantled stone by stone. He predicted not just the destruction of the temple, but the dismantling of the temple. And 40 years later, in 70 AD, it happened just like that. The temple was destroyed, dismantled, and also the, the, uh, Jerusalem was, was overtaken. In this passage, he goes on to predict, Jesus goes on to predict the, grace, the great persecution. He goes on to predict future signs in the earth and sky what the moon is going to do, how it's going to be dark and stars falling. He goes on to predict earthquakes and he goes on to predict worldwide wars. And then somebody asked Jesus, they said, Jesus, when are these things going to happen? Because that's exactly what I would do if I were walking with Jesus. And Jesus began talking about the apocalypse, began talking about the destruction or the overtaking of Jerusalem. When are these things going to happen? Jesus said, I don't know when these things are going to happen. Nobody knows when these things are going to happen except the Father. But here's what I can tell you about this. There's going to be signs. And for people that are watching, people that are anticipating this, it's not going to come to them as, as a surprise or unaware because they're watching and they're prepared. That's, that's, what, that's the important thing about this age. Let's, let's read this. In Matthew 24 and 32, Jesus says this, from the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as, it, as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see all of these things that I talked about, you can read it later, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away. What generation? The generation that sees these end time events. It could be this generation, it could be a future generation, but the generation that sees the end time events come to pass. He says, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. 36 verse. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. For as it were, for as were the days of Noah, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. What were the days of Noah? Well, basically, it was business as usual. He says people were, were getting married. People were going to their jobs. People were doing the things that people do. He says this, For as it was in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. Everybody was unaware except for Noah and his family, people that were Believing, people that were watching, people that were waiting. The 42nd verse says, therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would have, let, would have not let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour that you don't expect. So with this knowledge of the return of the Lord, Knowing that there are going to be some signs, what are we supposed to do? With this knowledge of his return, with following Jesus, we're giving an insight, we're giving a knowledge. So what should we do in this church age? Three specific things that Jesus mentions. Number one, he says that we are to be watchful. We are to be watchful. 
Matthew 24 and 42 says, therefore, stay awake. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. Stay awake. Several times over, our Lord says, be watchful. Stay awake. Be watchful. Stay awake. There's also illustrations like the ten virgins with the lamps that we'll talk about that they were watching and they were waiting. They were awake. They weren't asleep. Earlier in the passage, Jesus gives specific things that we are to watch for. He says, I want you to watch out for false prophets. One of the signs of the end of the age is that there would be false prophets and there would be false messiahs that would come and represent themselves as the Messiah. And he says, watch out for them because they will be deceitful. Some of them in the end times might even perform miracles even to the extent that it would draw away people, you know, people that are insecure or not secure in their following of Christ. He said, they would, he said they would deceive even the very elect. So watch out for false prophets and false teachers, false messiah. He said there would be also be signs. Watch out for signs in the heavens, natural disasters. Watch out for earth. There might be more earthquakes. Or he said that there would be earthquakes. How many of you have seen lately that there are more earthquakes than ever in our world? Like within the last decade, we've had more earthquakes in Oklahoma. We never used to have earthquakes in Oklahoma. Now we've got earthquakes in Oklahoma in the center of the United States. I remember the first bad earthquake. I lived out northeast of town on a fault line. The very first one, I'd never been through an earthquake. And that first one lasted for about, I'd say about, I don't know, five to seven seconds. It was 2 o'clock in the morning, and I couldn't sleep. It was actually a Saturday night, and I was having to preach the next morning. I was kind of wound up, and I could not sleep. So I, you know, I thought, well, I'll go down and channel surf. That's what guys do. When they can't sleep, they'll just go down and just kind of drill and just change channels. Maybe that'll make me sleep. So I was doing that, and I came across this movie. It was called The, uh, the Exorcism of Emily Rose. Is that what it's called? I had no business watching that, but it caught my attention. You know, it's, it's like dark in the house, 2 o'clock in the morning. Brilliantly, I decided to watch this movie. So I'm sitting there watching this movie. You guys know where this is going. I'm sitting there watching this movie, you know, and, and I'm thinking, I probably shouldn't be watching this, but, you know, she's kind of acting like a snake. I want to see where this goes. I'm going to see if these priests really know how to do this because they do it wrong on television. They're supposed to say, in the name of Jesus. They're doing that all wrong, and that's why it's not working out for them. That's what I'm thinking. So I'm watching this, and it was a very intense part, and it was very scary. It was so scary, I was getting chills, man. It was dark. I had all the house, you know, the, my television is about that big, and I'm watching, I'm getting chills, looking around. And about that time, that earthquake hits, and it felt like somebody picked my house up and dropped it, and pictures came off the wall, and my whole house started shaking. Man, all of a sudden, we figure out that I can't speak in tongues. I get up, and I start rebuking the devil. You know? Anyway, that's, that's not in my notes. Earthquakes. Yeah. Travis. You know, there are world issues. There are world issues that are pointing towards the end of the age that we're to watch for. Wars, the Bible says, and threats of war. How many of you are seeing that in our world today? War, not just little wars here, but worldwide threats of war. That is a sign that we are supposed to be watching for. Are you watching? We're supposed to watching, he said, we're supposed to be watching for things that are happening around the nation of Israel. Now, I'm not trying to get political on you, but it's important that we pay attention to that little nation about the size of Oklahoma that's over there because Jesus said that 
that is, that's, you know, that nation that sets the temperature of the world, he says, pay attention to what's happening over there. Pay attention to what's happening in Jerusalem because that's an end time sign. Do you know that that nation is surrounded by other countries that hate them? That have no reason to hate them. Are you paying attention to those things? Did, did anybody hear what happened over in, in that part of the world this past week? I was, I was doing some scrolling and taking a look at some of the news over there. And there is an Iranian general that is accusing Israel of stealing their clouds. Did anybody see that this past week? Stealing their clouds. And I quote, Israel and another country in the region have joint teams which work to ensure clouds entering Iranian skies are unable to release rain. He said, on top of that, we are facing the issue of cloud and snow theft, citing a survey showing that that above 2,200 meters, all mountainous areas between Afghanistan and the Mediterranean are covered in snow except for Iran. They're getting blamed for stealing clouds and snow. Why? Because of the intensification of what's going on there. They hate the nation of Israel. Israel is surrounded by its enemies who look for reasons to annihilate them daily. But if you pay attention to the scripture, that's an end time sign. You hear me? It doesn't matter who, this is not about nation, it's not about administration. Listen, with the U.S. recognizing Jerusalem as the, the, as the capital of the nation of Israel, that is very significant. It doesn't really matter to us over here. We don't think much about it. But that is a major thing over there. They're surrounded to the west side. There is a nation over there called the Palestinians or Gaza Strip. They're filled with Palestinians that hate the nation of Israel. And when we go in, all we did is keep a 20-year-old promise. In 1995, we said we would recognize Jerusalem as the capital. They've wanted it for years. So all we did is keep a 20-year-old commitment. But the Palestinians say, no, you're not doing that because we've got plans to take over half of the nation of Israel. It's going to be a Palestinian sovereign state. So it's causing more turmoil and more hate. And then we pulled out of that Iranian nuclear deal. That was, that's just something that our nation decided to do, our administration decided to do. More hate. They blame Israel for that. It was a win for Israel, but it's, it looks like it's turning out to be an economic loss for Iran. Right now, there's a little bit of favor from the United States toward Israel. But what happens when another administration steps in and says, okay, we're just going to let them take care of whatever they're going to take care of when you don't have a big brother backing you up anymore? Can you see that right now with Israel, a little bit of favor, we're going to get what we want? They're thinking that, and all of a sudden, the United States backs out, and everybody all around that hates them tremendously, can you see how there's going to be a problem in the future? Can you see that? The whole point of that is, That is an end time sign. One of the things, and I'll read this later, one of the things happens is the whole world's going to turn against Israel. But something's got to happen to trigger that. The point of this is this. Things are intensifying around the land of Israel. Are you watching? You need to be watching because it's one of the signs that Jesus spoke about. The land of Israel, it sets the temperature for the world. You know, there are also practical prophetic signs. Have you guys heard of a doomsday clock? Have you ever heard of a doomsday clock? Now, these guys aren't prophets. They're, this is an organization called the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists. I believe it's based out of Chicago. But the clock represents how close the world is to apocalypse or to destruction. It considers global warming. 
It considers wars and rumors of wars. It considers, considers nuclear threats, other considerations. But midnight represents the end of the world. In 1994, the clock was set to 14 minutes till midnight. In 2012, the clock was set, was set to five minutes until midnight. In 2017, I did a series just like this. In January, that clock was set to two and a half minutes until midnight. And as of January 2018, they have moved that clock to two minutes till midnight. Here's the deal. The fact that we even have something called a doomsday clock means that even the brightest, even the most prestigious scientists of our time believe that our world has an end, that our world has a, is, is in threat of complete destruction. Are you watching? That's nothing new. Jesus predicted this nearly 2,000 years ago, and he said that there would be signs. You don't have to be surprised about this because there are signs. Blessed are those who are watching for these signs. So number one, in the church age, we're supposed to be watching. Number two, we're supposed to be ready. Luke 21 and 34 says, watch out. Look at your neighbor and say, watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness. And by the worries of this life, don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming wars and stand before the Son of Man. Jesus gives us a warning to keep alert. How do you keep alert in these times? It's simple. It's what we teach every single day or every single weekend. Stay prayed up. Stay read up. Keep up, your, um, keep up your reading and praying because what happens is when you read every now and then, man, I go through the book of Revelation in my study time every single year. It helps me stay alert. Every day, every single morning, I, I pray. Sometimes those prayers are a little bit longer. Sometimes they're a little bit shorter, but I pray every single day. I read the scripture every single day. I, I attend church being around the body of Christ It reminds me to stay alert, and it helps me keep alert. This life has many distractions that that, that distract us from our alertness. He gives two examples. First of all, he says drunkenness. You know, if you think about wine, wine is meant to be a good thing. And I don't think it's so much he's using, you know, he's picking on wine. Wine was meant to be a good thing. In John, the fifth chapter, Jesus turned water into wine. It was meant to be a good thing, but it's abused. But I think the more, the, the issue that he's talking about is things that numb, our sense, that, that numb our senses and draw us away from being alert. If you, think about the, if you think about the effects of being intoxicated, it numbs your senses. It dulls your senses away from things that, that cause you to be alert. Jesus says too much of anything. I believe what he's saying is too much of anything, be it good or whatever, one thing that's, that could be good for you. Too much of anything good can distract you away from being alert. Then he talks about worries of this life. Life can be stressful. Life can be overwhelming. So much that we lose sight of what is most important in our lives. Don't be worried. Don't don't be caught up in things that, that decrease your sense of being alert. Life has distractions that cause us to lose our alertness. Stay alert. To be alert means this. It means to be vigilant. It means to be watchful. It needs to be attentive. It means to be observant. Think about these things. Jesus is saying when it comes to the end of the world, when it comes to his return, that we are to be vigilant, watchful, attentive, observant, wide awake, circumspect, 
on the lookout and on one's guard because something big is coming. We must be ready. If you believe that, say amen. Lastly, he says that we are to be witnesses. Be watchful, be ready, and be his witnesses. Acts 1 and 6, the ascension of Jesus, he says, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom? They're asking all these things that you've been talking about. Is this the day? Are you going to do this? Are you about to return? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my what? My what? You will be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit's purpose is to cause us to be witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud. And while they were watching, they could no longer see him as they strained to see him rising into heaven. Two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So what happened is about 500 plus people, the Apostle Paul talks about this day, about 500 people were standing around watching this ascension of Jesus. He's standing on this mount, and he gives the the great commission, and he talks about being being his witness in in Jerusalem, Judea, and, and the ends of the earth, and then he begins to rise He keeps going, he keeps going. And the Bible says they're all watching this. And then they strain, they can't. Then they he disappears into the heavens and they can't. Do you see? We we and they 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 keep doing that. They keep looking into the heavens. They're straining to see him. You know, and then you know, nobody's doing it. They're just standing and staring until the Lord puts two angels among them and said, Hey! What are you guys looking at? He just gave you marching orders. You need to go into the world. Now is not the time to be standing around staring, looking up to the heavens. It's time to get busy. Jesus is going to come back the same way that he left. Let's go. Reminds me of a time when I graduated high school. I was working at this little job. I wasn't making much money. And my uncle called from Dallas, Fort Worth area. And he said, hey, if you'll come down here and help me. He was building houses. He was building some really cool houses. He was building some houses for the Dallas Cowboy football players. I mean, multi-million dollar housing. He was framing them up. And he said, hey, Travis, you guys come down here. I'll give you as much work as you want for the next two weeks. So, man, I packed up, headed down there. And I'd never been a part of a working environment like this. I'd never been a part of an efficient construction work site like this. It's just kind of laid back and, you know, kind of work here, work for this or, or whatever. And Two carloads full of construction workers, and then a van pulls up, and Uncle pulls up in his four-wheel drive. Everybody knows that a contractor always has a four-wheel drive pickup, right? So he pulls up, and we all get out, and everybody's standing around with coffee, and everybody's greeting with each other. My uncle walks over here, and he looks at the job site, and he goes, All right, boys, roll them out. And I'm telling you what, the van door opened. The overhead trailer came down. People were rolling out compressors and saws and saw horses and, and pulling up ladders and, and rolling out extension cords. You know how they put them in the chain? 
They were unchaining the extension cords and the compressor cords, and they were hooking up. You know, and, and all these things were being set up in this world. Man, they were just working like ants. And I was like, wow. You know, I'm watching all this. I'm just kind of standing. I have never seen anything like this before. Man, they are getting it. People are running, running and getting this stuff done. It's 7 o'clock in the morning. They are running. And I'm just like, wow. Then I feel a little tap on the shoulder. And I turn around. It's my uncle. And he goes, I said, roll them out, Travis. I'm like, oh, so, you know, and I, I soon figure out, man, anywhere I was going all day long for nine hours, it's like Forrest Gump. Anywhere I was going, I was running. Travis, I need a square. Man, I was getting it, bringing the square. I needed two before. You know, bring the ladder. I mean, all day long, hustling all day long. Here's the deal. It took me a second, but I figured out, man, the next day, 7 o'clock, when he said rolling them out, I, don't, I didn't know exactly to roll out, but I was throwing stuff out of the van. Hey, Travis, calm down. Calm down. We're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. What he was trying to say is, man, time is money. There's only so many hours in a day. We don't have time to be standing and staring. We don't have time to be, you know, just watching everything go by. We only got so much time. There's a limited amount of time. We've got a time clock set. I've only got so many hours to finish this house. As long as we're here, we've got to be busy. Roll them out. Tap your neighbor on the, on the leg and say, I said, roll them out. Sometimes I believe we need a wake-up call every now in the church. We need to increase our alertness. We need somebody to step in and say, hey, man, we need to get busy. Hey, kind of like the angels that came down and reminded everybody to get busy. Hey, what are you looking at? What are you standing around staring for? Jesus said, go into the world. What part of go do you not understand? I said, go and be my witnesses. I said, get busy. You are saved. You are chosen, you are called, you're commissioned, you have, you have the truth on the inside of you, you're, you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. I said, go, I said, roll them out. You have been, you, you've been called, it, there, isn't a, there isn't a lot of time left. It's time to get busy. People are lost, people are dying, people need to be saved. You've only got so many decades of your life and then Jesus is coming back. You need to get busy, Amen. It's really, really important. We've got an incredible mandate. This is the church age. This is the church age. This is it. And it comes with an expiration date. And when it's over, and that's what we're talking about next week, when it's over, he's going to return and get his church. And all of these future prophetic events are going to take place. We are living on the edge of time. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be worried. But we need to be watching. We need to be ready. And we need to be witnesses. Amen? We need to watch. We need to be ready. And we need to be his witnesses. Amen? That's the church age. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord to grow and lean in and learn of some of these things that you would speak to us today. I pray, Lord, that you will meet us wherever we are, whatever part of our lives need to be brought into check today. And I pray, Lord, that you will speak to us, that you will speak to people, 
as your heads are bowed, maybe God is dealing with you today about what we've talked about. It's not a matter of whether or not you're a Christian. It's a matter of one of these three areas in your life is left unchecked. Are you watching? Are you paying attention? That's, it's, it's not a sin if you're not watching. It's just the fact that if you're watching, it reminds you of your calling. And there are things, specific things, that Jesus has told us to watch. Are you watching? Are you ready? Are you living in such a way that you are prepared? Your personal life, what does it look like? Are you prepared if Jesus should return tomorrow? Are you ready? How many times have we said that in church, and yet it doesn't change the fact that that's the only thing that we're waiting on is his return? Are you living ready? Or are you not prepared for his return? And are you his witness? Are people coming to know Christ as a result of your life? We don't have to stand on street corners and preach. That's not what I'm talking about. The people in your circle. Are you you a witness to them? I'm talking to the church right now. Maybe God's dealing with you right now about some of those issues. If that be the case, I want to pray with you right now. And as I pray with you, just let God do a work in your life. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for speaking to every person here today. And I trust, Lord, that there are people all over this house that are surrendering certain areas of their lives. We are your church. And you've commissioned us to watch, to be ready, and to witness to be your witness but a lot of times this life can be distracting will you quicken our hearts and our lives as a reminder of what it is to be living in the church age and bring about the change that is needed in our lives in Christ's name if you receive that say amen If you'll continue to bow your heads, I want to pray one more prayer. As I always do, if you're here and you don't know Christ and he's not Lord and Savior of your life, for whatever reason that might be, maybe you have never said, Jesus, be Lord and Savior of my life. I surrender my life to you, Lord. Maybe that's your story. Or maybe your story is, Travis, I once lived for God, but I walked away from God. And today I feel God bringing me home. If that's, if that's you, I would tell you, say yes. Say yes today. I won't embarrass you. I won't ask you to come down here. I won't single you out in any way, even ask you to stand. I'm just going to pray a prayer, the same kind of prayer I just prayed. But if people are going to make a decision for Christ, I just want to know I'm praying for people. So between you, me, and God, if you could say, Travis, if you'll pray, I want you to pray with me. I'm going to pray with you. Just real quickly, slip your hand up and slip it down. Travis, that's me. I see your hand over here on the right. You can put it down. Anybody else? Just to let me know. I see your hand right here. You can put it down, sir. Anybody else? Travis, I'm going to get right with God. I see your hand over here on the right, too. Are there more? One more time before I pray. I just want to know. If if you're serious about it, just let me know. See your hand back there in the back. You can put it down. All right, we're going to pray. And as we pray, this is the opportunity for you to declare some things in your life, to make Jesus Lord and Savior of your life. So as we pray, we're all going to pray this together and speak these words out loud. Today's a day that 
you gave your life to Christ and forever you're secured within the palm of his hands you're a Christian you're a Christ follower you will forever be with the Lord because of this decision today just repeat after me let's all pray together dear Heavenly Father I give you my life today Jesus I declare that you are Lord and Savior of my life I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and I say that I believe in you that you died for me and rose from the dead. And today I commit my life to you. From this moment on, my life belongs to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate. That's huge. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for those that have come home and given their lives to you.